Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome back from the holiday weekend. Hope you had an awesome holiday weekend. I know some of you are uh, not even listening to this because you're on vacation. Maybe listen to it later on demand, 1280thezone.com. Always interesting with the holiday weekends. How many people take vacation the week of the holiday? You know, it's a Monday, so you take Tuesday through Friday because you only burn four days off and you got another vacation day to spot wherever you want later in the year. Or you go the week before the holiday, so you get to Monday, you got a ten, you got ten days off. I never forget when I was brand new at Channel Two, and <laughs> one of my coworkers said, "Before you sign up for vacation, know when the boss is going, because you don't want to go the same week as the boss. You go one week before or one week after the boss's vacation, and then you're not dealing with the boss for two and a half weeks. Brilliant." Well, you people can figure out your vacations. We're going to hit the sports. We're back at it. Game one of the NBA Finals tonight. It's Milwaukee and Phoenix. Milwaukee closed out Atlanta on Saturday, won twice without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Kind of remind me of the end of the Jazz Clippers series. You know, Giannis is out the way Kawhi was out. Um, but then on the other side, you had, you know, Conley out, and then Conley and Donovan not playing 100%. And, uh, that's what Atlanta went through. They didn't have Trey Young for Game 5, and then they had him for Game 6, but he didn't look like he was 100%. So, in any case, it's over. And now it's Milwaukee, who uh, 50 years ago, they won their only NBA title. The golden anniversary. Can they double down and win a second? And Phoenix has never won. They've been in more than 50 years, and they have never won. Been twice, lost both times, uh, like the Jazz. This will be their third trip. The Jazz went twice. Might have been by Padres, who came in about the same time as the Suns into Major League Baseball and been twice and haven't won it either. So we'll see who breaks through. Game one tonight. We will get to that coming up right now. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, college football recruiting. Man, they're back out on the trail. And there's all kinds of news. Guys making commitments. The Utes getting quarterbacks. We're going to talk to Greg Bivens, who's from 24-7 Sports. He went to Elite 11 camps. They're over now uh, when he was on with us last week. Um, He was going to the camps. But we'll get his thoughts on some of these recruits and some of the recruiting trends. And we will do that next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from Greg Bivens. He writes for 24-7 Sports, National Recruiting Coordinator, covering college football. He joined PK and I late last week while he was at the Elite 11 camps. They're over now. But his thought on recruiting trends, key players, are the youths breaking through to a new level at quarterback? Here's Greg Bivens with PK and I. Greg, good morning. Good morning. We have many questions. You, you caught me in, caught me in mid bite of my apple breakfast right now. How are you guys? You guys doing good? Yeah, we're doing all right. I think the question is: Are the Utes not doing all right? But are they doing better than they were? Before we get into the specifics, big picture, especially at the quarterback slot, do you feel like Utah's breaking through to a new level in recruiting? I do like their their quarterback room a lot. Obviously, uh, I've seen Nate Johnson the last couple of days. I'm actually driving there right now to see uh, day three of the Elite Eleven, and 
I, I like him. I think he's got some unique qualities. Is he a little bit on the raw side? Yes. Will he probably need a red shirt and maybe another year? Um, I do think so. But, I mean, he's got some gifts for sure. I mean, he's, uh, he's an undersized kid at about 5'11", 6 feet, but he's got a really live arm. And, obviously, he's an elite athlete, legit 10 4 100 meters, which is fast if you're a wide receiver, more or less a quarterback, right? So, I think uh, give him some time. I think he's got a chance to be really good. He's looked good in the first two days of this uh, Elite 11 final so far this week. Yeah, you've got uh, Kyle Whittingham really loves the mobile quarterbacks in large part because he believes those are the most difficult to defend. And you've already said this kid's got elite athletic ability, but at the same time, the thing that's held them back is the ability to get the ball down the field. Uh, Based on what you know of these two kids, Rose and uh, Johnson here, do they have that ability? You know, they're, they're really they're different quarterbacks. It's, it, it's interesting. You wouldn't think the same school would recruit those two guys because of how radically different. You know, Brandon's the more pure pocket guy, and he's got some mobility as well. He's not a statue by any stretch. I wouldn't recruit a statue. So Brandon's got some functional athleticism. He, he can take off and run. He's, uh, he's comfortable. He, I think he does a good job making that first guy miss. He can extend play. But he's your pocket guy. I mean, he is third and eight. You, you, want a, you need a big first down completion. I think Brandon can do that for you. Uh, Nate, and I'm not saying he can't make that third down and eight throw, he might actually have a little bit more live arm than Brandon right now, but I think what he excels in is if you want to do some design rollouts, maybe some zone read. I mean, he's going to be the fastest guy in the field in a lot of games, so he can take off. But I think what we're seeing, not just this week, but when I saw him a few weeks ago at the Elite 11 Regional where he got the invite to come to the final, I've seen huge strides. I know his quarterback coach, Greg Pinelli, really well. And I'd say in the last year, uh, you're seeing better feet, uh, just more on balance. The ball placement is really good. The release is tighter. I mean, he's made some huge strides in just about a six-month period. So I just imagine how he's going to look in about a year and a half to two years. Uh, I like his upside a lot. And like you said with Brandon, I think Brandon is a pure thrower. Um, with some, like I said, with some functional athleticism as well. So between those two guys, uh, I'd be surprised if not at least one, maybe both, but at least one of them was going to be a hit. So Elite 11, it's definitely a label that every quarterback wants, but PK went and added up a few years ago for a story he did, and about 50% of the Elite 11 kids end up transferring, so a.k.a. they failed at their initial school. Are they getting any better at identifying the elite quarterbacks, or it's still different when you're getting chased by big guys in 11-11 games, so no 7-on-7 and no camp can really tell us how good you are? Yeah, I mean, I would would not be so quick to say a transfer is a sale. I mean, you look at Kyle Murray's first overall pick, right? Joe Burrow transferred, first overall pick. Baker Mayfield transferred first overall pick. I'll give you. I'll give you. A, I'll give you at that level, but at the level the Utes are dealing at. Say again. I'll give you at that level, right? It's a kid going from Ohio State to LSU or you know Georgia to Ohio State or something. Yes, at that level, I think you're right. But at the level the Utes have been at, I don't think that's been true. Sure. I mean, if you're if you're breaking it down to the you know to the youth specifically, my my point was, you know, this day and age, and I'm seeing it in some of the California high schools quite a bit. It's it's. Uh, I wish I had a nicer way of saying it, but it's just we live in that you know world where if you're a sophomore high school quarterback and you're not starting, you're out of there already. And I'm not. It just it's it's unfortunate. I think there's not a whole lot of guys that just want to grind and, and wait their turn. So that that's just the market. So when it comes to transfer quarterbacks. 
if you bring in two in the same class, I would. I don't know what the percentage is. If you did the math on this, I would love to know about it. But I bet it's extremely high. If you bring in two guys in one class, I would bet it's almost 75, 80% one of those guys is going to leave. And if you bring in two guys and, and one of them beats out a current guy that's an underclassman on that on that roster, I bet he's out of there too. So it's. I think you got to be not just strategic in recruiting a kid who's got talent, but I think character and makeup and, and wanting a guy who's going to be content. And you want a competitor, obviously, right? But you have to want a guy who is going to be content with maybe waiting a year or two and who's kind of got a little a little grit, a little toughness to him to where the point where he's not going to leave at the first sign of somebody else maybe, you know, I'm not going to name a name. You guys probably all know when the lead 11 quarterback a few years ago, right, who had a, a ton of hype coming in, and he was out of there before fall camp rolled around. So I think you got to be really careful when you recruit a quarterback, not just for talent, but you got to look at the whole body of work and the whole package there. It was a recent ruling as far as being able to make money for the college kids. Have you already heard some discussion of what it might mean for recruiting from the high school level? Yeah, yeah. No, that's been all the rage this week. And obviously there's been, you know, there's four college counselors out here, uh, including, you know, Spencer Rattler, um, Sam Howell, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So three, three pretty, fairly big-name quarterbacks. And, and that's all that everybody's been asking them about. And so... You know, just talking to them, and they're kind of saying it's, it's, it's kind of insane how much they're having thrown at them right now. And I, I think you got to be really, really wary of who you say yes to. Don't just say yes to anyone. And these guys are all super cool, and they're like, you know what, we're, we're not going to rush in. We want to do stuff that's going to help our teammates, too. We're high profile, but, you know, my right guard, you know, I, I want him to be involved. And so, yeah, they're already having a, a ton. And when it comes to recruiting, it's definitely, I mean, when USC is recruiting right now, I talk to a kid and I ask, hey, how was your USC visit? I mean, that's half their, their conversation. Is, yeah, they talk to me about NIL for, for half the conversation about what you can do if you're in a big market like L.A. You can only imagine, you know, if you're Alabama or Ohio State, who, you know, those schools kind of lead the nation and comes to Jersey cells and, and what they could do to market those kids. It's a huge part of the recruiting process. You're talking about, you know, not even talking about graduation rates anymore. It's always been about NFL. Now it's like after saying, hey, we'll develop you, get you, get you to the NFL, probably the next topic is going to be NIL. So do you believe the people who say this is going to spread out the talent that has been congregating at Alabama and the top, you know, four, five, six schools, and then now we're going to have – you know, in two to three years, as the talent spreads out, we'll have 12 to 15 to 20 legitimate national title contenders. I mean, they, that, that's, that's, the, that's the best case scenario, right? I, I personally just don't see it. I think it's, I think it's a case of the rich getting richer. Now, I, I do think, you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help some schools recruit better. But the reality is, I think the best schools are still going to recruit the best players. That's how it's always going to be. You're still going to see, probably when it comes to recruiting rankings, the same top four or five schools. You're still going to see Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson's going to be up there. Um, you know, LSU's going to be up there. And you're still going to see that because those schools can, when it comes to NIL, those schools can still, you know, offer the most to that kid because those schools have the, the biggest fan bases. They're on the TV the most, and uh, they can generate the, the most marketability. So, yeah, the hope, the hope is it will help out, maybe even the level playing field just a little bit. But I, I don't know if it's going to suddenly make a team that you know was a perennial top fifteen now a top fourteen. I don't see that happening at all. 
We were wondering, in a, particularly in a place like Salt Lake in Utah, it's a smaller community, and the high school football gets covered a lot. A lot of the games are on uh, television. The playoffs are on television. So these kids can build a brand for themselves literally at 15 and 16. So we're wondering, since they've already established their name in a community, would that maybe help them to think as far as staying local? Because there's been a number of high-profile players who have gone to Oregon, Stanford, SC, that have left our state here. So do you think that that would have an impact? They establish themselves as a teen, a young teen, and then they can continue it and be able to literally cash in in college if they stay local because they'll already have name recognition. No, I, I think I think that's a great point, and I think that definitely can happen. And again, it becomes it's going to become you know, can they make me more money than if I were to transfer to a school like like USC? Can can me staying local and, and going to Utah can that help me more than you know going to maybe a, a school that you know is in a bigger market? And so I think obviously if you're Utah, yeah, you, you definitely want to identify those kids early, and you hope that you know NIL evens out the playing field, but. Again, I think it's just going to come to, you know, when you're recruiting, you're going to have to show these kids, okay, these kids came here, this is how much they made here. And again, that sounds crazy to say, but that's kind of where we're at right now. We're recruiting against USC and Oregon and UCLA, even even Stanford in Silicon Valley. Can you show them that it, it's worth it financially to stay versus going over there where there might be bigger markets? I get that schools aren't supposed to be brokering these deals. I also get that schools almost can't afford not to be brokering these deals, or at least talking to people and setting up so that those boosters can go over there, one block off of campus, legal by the letter of the law, and then broker the deals from there. It seems like that's the new gray area we're going to hear about NCAA violations in. And it seems to me inevitable that that can't really be policed, and it's always going to be a gray area and it's a little scary for me and and again i've been doing this for 25 plus years and so i'm not going to be none of us are naive right you know the way schools do things in the pac-12 versus the way they do things in other conferences again not maybe maybe a little closer you know in the south it's it's a different level playing field and so now we're dealing with you know potential boosters getting involved and i i think it could definitely open up a, a Pandora's box and like you mentioned it's going to be a very hard to police and I'm kind of fascinated to see you know these first five years I'm fascinated to see exactly how this goes so as far as being able to have a track record of come here because this player at your position made this amount of money, this is something that the colleges are going to need a couple years to be able to provide evidence is that what you're saying? I, I believe so you know and right now I'm seeing on Twitter all these all these players just you know, tweeting out all these dollar signs and act like they're going to cash in immediately. And these are these are guys who haven't even, haven't even played it down yet. You know, and it, like unless you unless you play and play well and you have an actual name, this isn't going to help every guy on your team. It's only going to help, I think, the select few that are pretty elite. So, um, like I said, it, right now when you're recruiting, you know, if I'm a coach and you sit in a kid's living room. You know, you're literally showing them your graduation rate, how many players you've gotten drafted over the last, you know, four or five years at his position. You're showing them, you know, your winning percentage, all those kind of things. It, it's, I think it's only a matter of time, you know, five years where you're saying, okay, at your position, the last three guys we brought in at, at running back made this much money off their NIL image, right? you know, right now. This is what you could do. That's going to be a big part of the sales pitch, I believe, in the you know, next four or five years, if not sooner. 
So if you're at an Elite 11 and you have a chance to uh, talk to coaches who recruit and all that, how pumped up are they about this? Because what they say off camera, what they say away from a microphone can be really different. How pumped up are they by this? How much are they horrified of this? How much are they kind of accepting that it's coming and it's going to change everything and they're not even sure what it's going to look like in five years? What do they say privately? Are you talking about the how coaches. pumped up are the kids? No, the coaches. Are the coaches. Yeah, yeah coaches. no, I think the coaches, they, I think they're very wary. I, on one hand, I think some of the schools, you know, I will keep it out west in the, in the Pac-12, I think, you know, they're hoping that this levels the playing field. Um, I, again, not being naive, I think they feel like, you know, some schools are, are able to do things that we might consider, you know, a little shadier out here. So I think they're they're hoping that this levels it out, but I think they, they're also concerned that, shoot, this isn't really going to change a whole lot because schools that are already doing some stuff are going to continue to do that on a different level now. Now it's almost legalized, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I, I think coaches are, are, you know, I don't know if I use the word happy. I think they're happy that their kids, that they're recruiting or are getting something, um, which let's be honest, you know, talking to Sam Howe yesterday, he was like, you know what, we're already getting stipends that are taking care of a whole lot. So it's not like, and again, I'm not trying to sound like that kid off my lawn guy, but the kids, you know, they're actually doing okay. Um, I think the coaches feel like, hey, if they have a jersey that's going to sell, given the money, that's great. But again, like I said, I think they're also concerned that, uh, you know, if there's a have and a have not, it's just gonna, that gap is still going to be there. How much has recruiting been affected at the high school level by the transfer portal? Um, I can't understate it enough. It's huge. It's huge. You know, and I've talked to so many college coaches in the last, I would say, eight to nine months, um, maybe a little bit longer. And, you know, in years past, you know, you get, let's just say, a nice number, 25 scholarships. Those last five always went to maybe your borderline high school kid. Um, you know, a guy you think has some upside, not there yet. Now those last four or five spots are going to go to transfer portal kids. And, and the reason is simple. You know, with a high school kid, there's, there's some risk there. You don't know what you're getting necessarily. When you go to the portal, uh, you're getting a guy – now there's always risk, right? But you're getting a guy who maybe he's already battle-tested, maybe he's played one or two years of college ball, and maybe it's just a depth chart issue where he, he got buried a little bit. Maybe he's homesick. Um, maybe he, again, just didn't click. This new coaching staff came in and he doesn't fit that system. So uh, you're seeing, like, at Oregon State, I could conceivably see, and they did it this past year, you could give out almost half your class, maybe eight to nine kids to to portal kids. And so what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of schools, you know, keep those last five, six, seven spots that normally would go to to a high school player. And and so it's a trickle-down effect. This past year, you know, the the numbers that signed out of high school were way, way down. It's affecting the JUCOs. You might see, you know, more kids go that route. And honestly, there's a risk going into the portal, first off, obviously, right? You might go there and you think you're going to have the same options you had in high school, and you don't. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you might get stuck in that portal. But if you're a coach, recruiting-wise, that portal right now is a lot more attractive than it is, you know, going on that that high school kid who's a bigger risk than maybe the kid who's already played a couple years of college ball. Greg, we appreciate a few minutes. We're sorry we took you away from your breakfast apple. It's all good. Good talking to you guys. There's Greg Bivens. Now, coming up next, BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo. Tom was good enough on very show notice to join us for half an hour. Probably not so much because of us, more because all the Cougar fans out there. But I think it applies to you and Aggie fans, too. You know, what's going to happen now with his name, image, and likeness? How is this going to play out? And obviously, Tom can speak more to BYU than he can the other schools. But I just think some of these things are true for all schools. So we'll hear from Tom Homo coming up next.
a name, image, likeness, how players are going to cash in, and specifically what BYU is doing to help them. And he brings up a point, and they're going into business. You know, they're going to pay taxes. They're going to be unscrupulous people trying to get a hold of them. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that'll happen now. It's a it's a crazy new frontier. Tom Homo, next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is now in an extreme drought. Currently, that is why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Tom, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us on such short notice. We appreciate it. And there are many questions we're about to ask you that, honestly, I don't know that you can 100% guarantee us the answer is right. Uh, so I want to start with an impossible question. Are you ready? Sure. That's a good way to start. Yeah. If name, image, and likeness had been a deal, say, 50 years ago, which cougar would have earned the most money, Jimmer or Jim McMahon? Well, I think Jimmer probably could be. It's hard to say because Jimmer was in a little bit more of the information age. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he was the player of the year. That's an impossible question. You're right. <laughs> but I think both of those two would be, would, uh, both of those guys would be in a position to be able to uh, take advantage of name, image, and likeness. So at your media day, Tom, you guys were ahead of the game. There was a phrase, it's something for life. I'm, it's escaping me what you guys called it. Uh, built for built life. For yeah. And so obviously you're trying to get, uh, uh, basically get your arms around this as far as, uh, po- as much as possible. Uh, what jurisdiction or power or influence and all that stuff is the university going to have over kids as they start to go? Because we've seen already a couple on social media basically say, hey, I'm available, let me help you. (laughs) Um, It's a very good question. We feel that it's our responsibility to help educate them and train them. There's ways we can do that. I think a lot of these young people are in for a a great learning experience, which will come with some good experiences and some really tough experiences. Right now, that's what we're trying to do with Built for Life, is to accelerate programs that will help them learn how best to deal with these types of opportunities to make money. Uh, As you two and I know, who have been at this for a long time, the best way is not to say, hey, Come, I'm available, come get me. You graduate, you get a great degree, you go out and get a good job, and you go to work five days a week from nine to five. That's how you start making money. From there, you know, maybe some creativity, some good breaks, some good uh, elbow grease, and you, you make a, a, a bigger amounts of money. But I think the key thing is trying to help them understand and prepare them for a job. So do you have companies already contacting your kids or your uh, your uh, 
coaches and administrators? Are you already hearing from the community about wanting to get on board with this? I mean, BYU is a pretty powerful brand, but it's especially a pretty powerful brand within 10 or 20 miles of campus. Yeah, I think the answer to that question is yes, 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 but in minimal um, opportunities. Some of our um, some people's companies in the state have come to us ahead of time. We're friends with them and said, hey, we would like to be involved in this. We think that we could use a few athletes, and we'd like to, in advertising. That's something that's kosher. You can, work, you can make that work. I think there's other people that are not coming to us, and they're just going right to the athletes, which is legal. That's fine. The issue that's really it's hard for us to deal with is I feel like, and I love these kids, and we're with them a lot. We have a lot to do with their growth and development during this period of time in their lives. And I just know that there's a lot of unscrupulous people out there that are going to take advantage of them. And that's why I'm saying with Built for Life and with the things that we're going to do with NIL behind the scenes, not just seeing how much money they can make, but we're trying to prepare them for these experiences that they are going to have if they get involved. Some are going to be great, and some are going to be really bad. So is the so-called maybe seediness side of it, is that what concerns you the most? Um, I don't. I think the, the one thing that concerns me the most is just that they, they have a, an opportunity to learn about what they can expect. And then it's never going to be exactly we, – we, we go and we take classes in college and we learn and then we go out into the world and it's not quite how they taught us in college, but we have an idea of how it's going to be. And we, we've done this for years. Every school in the state has educated their student-athletes and it's not just about football and baseball and basketball and soccer. It's about a relationship and it's about – the way that we connect with our student-athletes. And this just speeds it up about 100 times what has been in the past. Tom Homo joined us, BYU Athletic Director. Is this going to significantly change recruiting? I mean, there have already been kids, players, middle men running around with their hands out. Is there going to be more of that? Is this going to make Kalani's head explode? Well, I think it adds another component, a pretty significant component. But if you're like you guys have been in the business a long time, you realize that there's been a lot of under the table dealings that are not have not been legal with the NCAA that have been occurring from uh, free lunch to tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. This right now opens the doors and kind of what they're saying is it lets the market go and see what happens. And I think that you're going to have recruiters that are still going to cheat. There's still there's rules in NIL. This isn't just uh, all Katie bar the door. This is all down. This is there's going to be people that still break rules. There's rules that say that you can't entice people to come to your school. You can't do that by just giving them money. Is that going to happen? Yeah, you all know that's going to happen, but. You'd like to think that there's enough people that are in the NCAA, in membership schools, coaches, administrators, presidents, all those involved with athletics that will try to do it right. 
will to try to develop programs to help their student athletes and they'll have good experiences. I don't know if all those things that went down that were illegal in past years, wherever they happened, were good experience for the kids. I don't think it's a great learning experience. You're not teaching them a lot of good things by doing what, by breaking the rules. How much do you think this whole situation is going to evolve, meaning next year, five years from now, there's all sorts of different things as it, as it affects everything because there's stuff right now that we just don't know how it's going to play out. I think that's exactly how it'll play out, PK. I, I just think that we're going to learn a lot real fast. The NCAA has come out with this, uh, I don't even know what they're calling it, it's an interim policy, I guess that is the best way to put it. We all anticipate that Congress will come out with a standardized plan because right now you have various ways, depending on which state your school's in, as to how this will be legislated. That's that's difficult, and nobody thinks that it can work that way. So we all anticipate, you know, time frame, uh, I'd say at least a year, maybe more, before something solid comes out. But in the meantime, we're going to learn. Right now at BYU, we, you know, in the state of Utah, there is no legislation, which, quite frankly, I think it's a benefit to all the schools in the state. And I think it'll be helpful for our student-athletes and that we all are kind of on the same page. And each one of our schools now can be able to regulate and assist student-athletes to take advantage the best way they can with NIL. And I think that we put out something today that describes what our um, program is. It has to be that way if you don't, if you're not in a state that's legislated. And we feel that that will, it's not written in pencil, but we'll be, uh, we'll be changing it a lot in the next couple weeks and months to adapt to what we learn from other schools and other parts of the country and some of the student athletes. I think a lot of what's a lot of it's going to be that student athletes are going to through their social media contacts and the way just the way they communicate these days, which is very effectively, that they're going to learn from each other. They're going to learn from best practices how they might be able to participate in NIL. And look, don't get me wrong, I think that this is a long time coming. There's aspects of NIL that are going to be great. And I've said all along that I'm supportive of certain aspects of it. So today is a good day for our student athletes. But it's also one of those things like when you send your, your children off to college and you're like, okay, as <laughs> best I can. But you know that you're going to get some calls back saying, hey, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I think a lot of kids are going to finally learn that you you have a name, an image, and a likeness, and you have to make of that what you make of it. There's not going to be people that are going to be coming to all 631 of our student-athletes with deals. I think that some of our – student-athletes will have great opportunities to make some money, and rightfully so. I think that's a great thing. And hopefully uh, they'll have been in a position where they'll make really good decisions and be involved with really good people. And if that's the case, that will be a, a very good thing for them. 
BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo joining us. So as the name, image, and likeness rules take over, and there are a lot of boosters at a lot of schools that are smart and are savvy and are invested. And under the old rules, you know, something like Phil Knight, right, and the Nike money, and no one can deny the power and impact he's had on the Oregon Athletic Department. But now, with so many more rules open, it seems like some schools are going to have boosters set up. I don't want to call them shadow governments, or I don't know what to call them. But you know what I'm getting at. And they're going to be just off to the side, off campus, making sure the money flows, trying to give their school a competitive advantage. Are you worried about that? It's going to happen. I'm not really worried about it, because it's going to happen. It's we're we're going to protect against that. We don't want that to happen because it's illegal. Now, it's going to be the reason that the NCAA compliance book, rule book, is like two inches thick is because coaches and administrators have caused so many laws to be written because they've, they're going to try to find ways to get things done and new rules have to be put in place all the time. So I, I think you're right, DJ, that there's going to be immediately people trying to figure out a way to, quote, unquote, beat the system. Mm-hmm. There are rules. They're very plain about what you can do. And each, each school has different rules now. Each state or many states have different rules. But yeah, you asked a question. Am I worried about people cheating? I can't worry about that. We're just going to do what we do. We're going to prepare our kids the very best way we can. And we think we have a... So, no matter what club you're in as far as uh, a supporter, whether it's the Cougar Club, whether it's the uh, Crimson Club, from the highest, most famous, biggest donor down to the bottom, everybody wants to win. And everybody associated with BYU wants an, another 11-1 season. If they don't want that, it's because they want it 12-0. and zero. <laughs> And that's just the way it is. Do you think, or how much do you think this program going forward is going to help individual programs win? I don't I think what will happen is certain student athletes prospective student athletes will make their decision on what school they attend based on where the money's at I think that's how you could put it whether it's uh, you know they're going to get money under the table in a legal way which has happened for decades and which will continue to happen but I think that hopefully Hopefully, most of the schools, they recruit student-athletes to come to their school for the right reasons, which are to get a great education, to sell the things that happen on your school that are dynamite and that have been advantageous for students forever, and then to be able to have program athletic programs that have great coaches and that have success and can develop and grow kids and make them better at their particular sport. And that in the, in the end, the student athletes come to a school and they, by the, when they spend however much time they spend there, when they leave, they feel that they're better for going to that school. That isn't always the case. Look at the transfer portal. There are so many kids in the transfer portal now. Those kids aren't going to those schools necessarily uh, for the right reasons. 
they're they're going for why well i guess it could be their right reason if they want to go just to make money and put themselves in a position to make as much money as they can then that's where they're going to choose their school we'd like to think that people aren't coming to BYU because they're going to make the most money while they're here we think that we can put them because it's such a great institution and has such a great reputation for its our graduates that that's a great selling point. That's a huge competitive advantage for us. And that's what we're going to hang our hat on. It's always been that way, and it always will be that way. BYUAD Tom Homo joining us. So uh, PK has a theory that there's so much, especially for football, but there's so much attention focused on high school sports that a kid can raise their profile locally. And if they stay and play college locally, well, then they're ahead of the game and, and building momentum and their ability to cash in on their name. Do you think this tips the balance of power when it comes to local recruiting, especially football and, and basketball, too, to a lesser degree? I think that you know, PK, I would agree with that. I think that you look around the country – a lot of kids stay close to home because they have family, they feel comfortable, they have a great connection, and it feels right. And they think that they can accomplish everything that they want to accomplish by going to that local school. And I think the state of Utah, for all of our schools, I think we're in a great spot. The state of Utah is an incredible economy, incredible economy. We have incredible schools. We have the great outdoors. We have so many things that are happening right now. And I hope, I hope that a lot of these kids will stay in the state because they'll be able to connect with the great opportunities that are here. There, in, you know, in years past, maybe when I came in the old ages, there might not have been as many things in the state. But I think now the locals, I think you're right, PK. I think that'll... I'd like to believe it's true, and I think you're right. So, Tom, I'm going to throw a total hypothetical at you, which means it may be fair or not, but I want to get your thought on it from your experience. We know that the BYU quarterback is a high, high profile position. I mean, it's practically a member of the Jazz in terms of their visibility and all that stuff. So, a scenario the whoever the quarterback is, he's successful and like he was like Zach was last season. So, he signs a deal with Channel 2 that says, I will give you an exclusive interview on the field after the game and he's going to get paid $10,000 per, whatever it might be, I don't know. But he signs that, which may be a little bit different. You know, you're supposed to go off the field and have the locker room and the 10-minute cooling off period and all that stuff. I'm wondering, could you see a scenario like that where that, not necessarily just BYU, but around the country, Ohio State, SC, wherever, that a kid signs the deal that, in a sense, supersedes what the team has going on? How long did it take you to come up with that idea, PK? We were talking about it this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, this is one of those things where you said, you know, are things going to adapt? I think the answer to that question is that's a possibility. It certainly would be uh, legal and okay for a lot of places. But I think one of the things that we deal with are exclusive contracts. We also deal with would a coach of a team make a policy 
saying that you can do something with a TV station after we release you from the locker room, but not while we're on the field. I don't know have an answer to that, but those questions will be answered in short order yeah. because people are going to challenge that. And is that okay? Sure it is. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make us work overtime. Our brains are going to have to be on, on at all times. We're going to have to be really creative. We're going to have to put away the things that we've thought from the past and start looking to the future. So I think all of those op- – that's, that's legal. I don't see that being anything wrong with that unless somebody had an exclusive. um, And that's one of the things that we're going to have to consider is all the schools in the state of Utah have exclusive deals with their school. So I'm going to give an example. We have a deal exclusively on our campus with Coca-Cola and it's an athletic department and campus deal. So, one of the things that people say are, could our student-athletes do a deal with another uh, beverage company? And the answer is, they probably could off-campus, away without any of our marks or any of our facilities. And those are going to be have to be strictly monitored because we, have, we already have contracts that enforce our campus. So that, the scenario that you give with individuals doing uh, interviews after the game would have to be in compliance with what those state, and excuse me, not state, campus yeah. and state department contracts already that had already exist. Yeah, and so you'd have to work that out and see if it could come to fruition. Since we're just making stuff up, how about a halftime off the field, walking off the field interview? <laughs> well, hey, look, one of the things that we can't do is we can't broker deals. So that's one of the rules in the NCAA is people on campus, coaches, administrators, um, ADs, we can't be involved in brokering deals. Right. And so, you know, don't be trying to slide me a little money under the table, PK, to help you out. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about that. PK's never given anybody any money at all. (laughs) Hey, the Devils went to the Rose Bowl in 87. I gave him 20 bucks. Nice. <laughs> That's why they haven't been back because you haven't given them twenty bucks. Now. There it is, ninety six. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually had this conversation with a sports information director at another school earlier this week, but I think it applies to every SID in the country. I said you usually pick, you know, you get the request from the media for whoever after the game, and you pick three to five players and the head coach. Like, you're going to walk in the locker room or a guy's going to be staring you down? It's like, you're costing me money. Run me out there. I'll entertain him. I'll say something. And he just laughed. He says, I don't know, but probably. So does that go back to you got to go to square one on everything everybody does on campus? Because this changes a lot of things. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to cross that bridge in the fall. We'll, we'll talk about those things. And I think one of the things that it does do is that it does create a little more competitiveness within the team. Who gets what? Like, it's one thing to see that this person, this guy on my team, is going to get a little bit more attention in the media. It's another thing if that attention is leading to him to get paid. And, and that's unfortunate. I've talked to all our coaches about, hey, look at your responsibility as a coach. Just You just added a lot of time. Because now you're, you've got to be dealing with the unity of the team and the collaboration of team members. And one of the things that's such an important part of successful teams is 
when players on the team can be happy for other kids' success. That's a great, the greatest teams, players are not envious of other people on the team doing great. And this, when money comes into it, it could be affected. Those are things that our coaches are talking about all the time now, saying how are we going to convince our players that it's really still you know, all for one and one for all. we got to come into this together. And even though there's going to be maybe now money on the line, it can't change the fact that we got to be together. You've been involved in the NFL game for many years, and I'm sure, I'm sure you saw some of the evils that money created in all sorts of different ways that can go down the wrong road. How much is the university educating or going to be educating these kids as far as if they come into cash on how to handle it and maybe what to expect? That will be encompassed in our Built for Life program. So people, these people will have to deal with taxes now. They where they haven't done that. They'll have to deal with contracts because we are not allowed on our campus to be part of those contracts. So what if somebody, a kid has a contract with um, a company and, and they were supposed to get paid and then the company doesn't pay them? What are they, are they going to come to us now and say, hey, you got to take care of this. They get to pay me. Well, that's part of how it'll work. You'll have to go get an attorney or you'll have to get someone that will help you deal with that legal issue. It's going to be, you know, there'll have to be a lot of education that takes place that they would probably learn in their first jobs off of campus. Look, we have a lot of kids that are on campus that are students and not student athletes governed by the NCAA that have had to deal with this already. And that's one of the reasons why I feel that it's okay and I like the fact that student athletes shouldn't be different from our students on campus. There's reasons to believe that there are because even in the, in the major leagues, NFL, NBA, um, Major League Baseball, there's rules, there's drafts, there's collective bargaining. There's a lot of things that take place to help um, rectify some of these problems that would exist. Right now, it's kind of going to be like the wild, wild west. And then as we see that didn't work or we're not going to be able to do that or here's a new rule or policy that we're going to have to institute, every single school is going to be dealing with that. And we'll find, uh, hopefully, we'll find a place where we can be comfortable until they come out with legislation. And when that day comes, I think even from there, there's going to be a lot of adjustments. So this, the whole landscape of the NCAA has changed. We can't even imagine some of the issues that we're going to be having to deal with, but we'll deal with them as they come up. Um, Corona was probably a good experience for us in this way. There were so many things that athletic departments had to deal with that we had no idea how to do it. And somehow, some way, we got through it. We figured out ways to be at our best. We figured out ways to endure, to overcome, resiliency. And those are some of the principles that we've been telling our kids already. Hey, this is going to be so different. We're going to have to come at you with some policies that we've never had before. And you're going to think that we're restricting you. We'll work together to come up with these policies. 
And that's what this generation wants. They like participating in their outcomes instead of like right now, a lot of people look at the NCAA and say, kids don't have any, they don't have any say in what their future is uh, as far as, you know, NCAA and, and uh, NIL. And now they do. So, again, I would say uncharted waters, but let's go. Well, Tom, we could probably create 100 more hypotheticals and wreck your whole day, but we really ought to let you go. We appreciate you coming on on short notice to uh, talk about all this and kind of cluing Cougar fans on where you're going with your team and, and probably cluing fans of other teams around the state, too. Thanks for joining us. Good luck. And when we have 100 more hypotheticals, we'll call you back and run them all by you. Hey, just send them down to me. I'll answer them every time. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. There's Tom Homo, and if you came in late, you missed him, or if you missed Greg Bivens earlier, remember, everything is up online at 1280thezone.com. You can listen there or wherever you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple, whatever, uh, Google Play. Uh, You can go catch stuff there. So check it out. We're going to be right back, though. Coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines. Game two, excuse me, game one of the NBA Finals tonight. Uh, The Suns get to host game one and two tonight and Thursday, and we'll get to that next. Stay with us.